Thank you, Andrew, and thanks for joining us. Like uh, Andrew said, whether you're here in the room, you're watching online, you're catching up later, and like uh, just listening as you drive, it's great that you're with us, and we're thankful that you've chosen to spend part of your week worshiping with us. Um, if we haven't met, my name's Corey. I'm the lead pastor here at GFC, and if this is your first time with us or first time connecting with us, you picked a great week because it's the very beginning of this sermon series. And so we've been tracking over the last little bit. We did our summer series. That came to an end last week, which means... Summer's almost over. So the kids go back to school in like less than three weeks, right? August 22nd is when Garden Spot goes back. So they're almost there. And so we're starting a new conversation, and that conversation is called Storyteller. And we've been, over the course of the year, we've focused on the book of Luke so far. We haven't been able to go through verse by verse by verse, but we've used it as our home base. We've come back to it over and over and over again. And one of the things that we're going to do is spend some time over the next few weeks looking through the parables that are in the book of Luke. Now, here's what I just did. I just used a very churchy word, which is parable. No one uses that really in our daily vernacular. If, if we were just having a conversation, you go, that's a great parable you just said. Someone would probably look at you like you're weird right? Because we just don't use that word. But what I want us to do, there's a few things I want us to do as we go through this conversation over the next few weeks and as we kind of think about what this means. First of all, Jesus was a great storyteller. He used stories all over the place in scripture to get a point across. He used them to help us understand things, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that means in a little bit. But it's estimated that he used about 30 to 50 different stories, different parables, to help us understand what was going on. And to help us understand what he was trying to teach, which was different than what we really understood here on earth. And so the first question that we have to ask is, what is a parable? What constitutes a parable? It's much more simple than you might think, right? When I come up and I give examples of things that have happened in my life, or I tell you a story about something that went on, that's a parable. Now, it could be real or it could be fictional. I've made up certain situations and said, imagine this happens to you, right? And we use those stories. I do, other pastors do, other leaders do, business leaders do to say, what would you do in this situation? Or how would you understand this? Or how would you process this situation? That's what Jesus is doing. And a way to understand, like a very simple definition that we could give for parable, and if you've gone to Bible school for any amount of time, you've probably heard this phrase, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's what it is. Jesus takes something that we would understand on this side, right? We would understand about the world around us. We would understand about the way we go through our day-to-day -day life. And he says, let me help you understand something that you don't understand about the kingdom of God or that you don't understand about what salvation means or what you don't understand about how people respond to the word of God. And a lot of times in scripture, this is actually really helpful for us because of where we live, there's a lot of agriculture. So even today, the conversation we're going to have is about an agriculture example and us living in, in Lancaster County or even if you live in Chester County or wherever, like you get it, right? We understand at least a little bit of farming. How many of you have your own garden at your house? Handful, right? Some of you aren't raising your hand. I thank you, Ashley. Ashley was like, I got a garden. So like we, we have gardens. You just, you just see them around. You have them. We have one. Becca does a great job. I don't touch the garden because I'll kill everything, okay? But she does a great job, and we got these cucumbers that are like the size of my car. So it's great, and we just get it. We just do these things, and we see what it's like to kind of dig in and get these agriculture examples. And so Jesus uses this a lot because of the society they were in. And he would say this, let me just help you get what I'm trying to explain. And so when he does this, he draws people in, right? He takes something that they may not understand and says, let me help you understand it. Now, here's the other thing I want us to understand about this. 
the authors of Scripture wrote these things about 50-ish years after they happened. Still in their lifetime, right? You would remember something when you were, that happened when you were younger, and you could fast forward and say, I remember this story, right? We all have stories in life that we tell over and over again. Like you're in a conversation with somebody, and you have a really cool story that you tell to most people, right? And we, we lean in, and we grab that. That's what the gospel authors are doing. They're, they're taking the stories that mattered the most to them, that landed the best, and they're saying, these are the things Jesus taught us, and I want other people to remember it. If you think about your life and you would think about what would be the stories I would want people to remember, there would be stories you don't want people to remember, right? But there would be stories you would say, I really hope somebody would record this or say that or remember that this happened. This is what Luke is saying. He's saying, these stories that I'm remembering are the most important. It's what I want people to know. And so as we get to these stories and we process them, this, this was not just a regular Thursday where Jesus just goes, hey, let me tell you something, right? Like, they grabbed this and, and they remembered it. And I'll talk more about this later, but this, some of these stories, including this story, were actually picked up by multiple gospel authors. That, that's a big deal, because that means multiple people were like, this is really important. We want people to understand this. And so where we're going to start our conversation today is in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 4. And as always, uh, Patrick's going to put the verses up on the screen for us, but you can also scan the back of your uh, Next Steps card if you'd like, or scan that code right there in the corner. That takes you to our follow-along page, which gives you all the verses. It gives you all the notes. You can ask a question. Uh, you can submit a prayer request. All that kind of stuff you can do right there. So we would encourage you. I know some of you do it all the time. I don't know how many. We don't have a number on who does, but we would encourage you to go there if you'd like. Even if you have a physical Bible, you can use your phone and check it out and just follow along with us there. So in Luke 8, starting in verse 4, this is what it says. One day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Verses 6 and 7. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant, plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up, and it with it and choked out the tender plants. Verse 8, still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. And when he said this, <clears throat> when he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, I want you to imagine for a minute, you're sitting and listening to this crowd or you're listening to me or you're listening to whatever, right? And I just start going off and I tell a story about, hey, everybody listen, there's a, so, there's a farmer and he starts throwing seed and it lands in these four places. Done. You're like, great, right? That doesn't help me at all. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're saying. I don't really get it. What are you, what are you talking about? And, and I just want to highlight before we get to the rest of it and kind of go, like, these are the four types of soil Jesus gives. He doesn't give much more information. He says the sower throws the seed. You've got a footpath. You've got rocky soil. You've got thorny soil. You've got good soil. Okay, so he sets this up and at least says, this is the structure. When the seed is thrown out, we can all get this, right? Like if you've seen people throw seed or you've thrown seed, you kind of know, okay, I threw it there. And you might look and kind of say, that one might grow a little better than this one, or this is going to work a little bit better than that one. We get it. We also understand that we could probably, from our understanding, look at this and say, I could probably tell you where the seed is going to grow and where it's not, right? I would get that. We get that when you throw something on a path, unless it's a weed, it's not going to grow. So we see this and we kind of get, okay, but then... The disciples kind of have the same response you and I would have. They kind of go, Jesus, what, 
what, you just start with this story and then give us no context. So in verses uh, 9 and 10, it says this. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't, total, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. This is interesting. He says to the disciples, you're going to get more information than most people. Which, when we look at scripture, we go, yeah, that's pretty true. They spent a ton of time with Jesus. They got a front row seat. But he says, other people are going to hear my parables, and they're not going to get it. He says, this is what the scriptures say. I looked up, I think it was from Isaiah. It says, when they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. And he starts to set this up so that he, he starts to say, when, when people get information about me, some people are just not going to get it. They're not going to understand it. And the first thing I want us to get from this is that uh, this is a parable about parables. It's kind of like Inception, right? He says, I tell parables because I'm going to tell more parables because I want people to understand, but not everybody's going to understand. So things get a little more hazy before they get clear. But this is what Jesus, and in fact, some people believe this is the very first parable Jesus ever told. So he starts telling us a parable to tell us about the more parables that are going to come. And he says, some of them are going to understand, some of them won't. And here's, here's what I know to be true, and I think this is true of you as well. If we don't want to see it, we won't. If we don't want to see it, we won't. Let me give you an example. Some of you, I've heard, I've said this before. I worked for one month for 1-800-GOT-JUNK, Okay. You can understand why. I ended up in that month in two hoarder houses. So like very first day on the job, I was in a house that you had to stand in a doorway to stay dry because it was pouring so bad and the roof was so leaky, you couldn't, if you stood in the middle of a room, you were wet. And the person that lived there was there. And when we tried to explain to them or somebody was trying to explain to them, the family was there trying to get, why are these people coming and just throwing all my stuff, which is really just bags of wet newspaper, into a giant truck? Why are they doing this? They couldn't understand it. They could see that all it was was wet newspaper, but they couldn't get to the point where they would understand, you don't need this. It's not necessary. It's not actually going to help. There's other ways we do this too. Like you might be like, I'm not a hoarder, Pastor Corey. I was like, okay, but have you ever gone to the dentist and they say you need a filling? And then you go to the desk and they say, schedule your appointment. And you're like, I got to double check when I get home exactly when I can come back. Why? Because you don't really want to schedule the filling, Right? You don't want to be there again. You want to figure out what is this going to really work? Like, let me, let me go home, forget about this for a while, and then I'll worry about it later. Same thing could happen with a medical diagnosis, right? We got to do this test. You got to come back. You're like, I don't think it's that bad. I'm not going to worry about it. We choose what we do and don't want to see, right? Or we choose what we want to actually believe. And so Jesus says, some people are going to hear my stories. They're going to hear the truth of God, and they're not going to believe it. Just like we, in certain situations in life, will say, I can see what you're saying, but I don't want to believe it. I don't want to trust it. I don't want to let it impact who I am or how I'm going to plan the rest of my day or the rest of my week or the rest of my year. And so if we don't want to see it, we won't. Now, now here's one thing that's like kind of hopeful. It's kind of hard to wrestle with this, but but if we understand this correctly, what Jesus is also helping us understand is not everywhere we throw the seed are people going to respond to it. So every time we share Jesus with somebody or every time we share scripture with somebody or every time we try and influence people in a positive way, Jesus is already saying some people are going to see this, they're going to hear it, 
they're not going to do it. And so some of that, it's not a good thing, it's not a happy thing, but it also means it's not our failure. So we want to dive in and we want to do these things and process and help people understand Jesus, but Jesus already said it's not always going to work out, it's not always going to be taken as truth, and it's not always going to sink in to who people are. And so then Jesus goes on in verses 11 and 12 to start explaining. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. So we're going to go all the way through all four of the types of soil, okay, and kind of understand it. So here's the first one, okay, the footpath. Like we already said, you probably know you throw seed on a parking lot. It's probably not going to grow unless it's a wheat, okay? So if we think about that, he also makes this connection of the soil to the heart. So when we think about this as a footpath, we would say this is a hardened heart. Think about that blacktop or a sidewalk or something, right? It's hard. It's not going to receive the soil. We know it's not going to grow. And the way that I would just explain it very easily or very simply is that they would be easily distracted. That what, what the verse says is that when it falls there, they hear the message. So they get it. These are not people that just never hear it. They hear it. That it it's there. Like they get it, except... They only, it's only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from being saved. And they're easily distracted because they want to chase something else. This is the person that you come and just like, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Like, no, man, I'm out. Right? I don't want anything to do with it. I've been there. I've done that. I've heard it. I understand it, but I want nothing to do with it. And that's it. That's as far as the conversation goes. Maybe you've met that person. Maybe you've been that person, right? It's possible. I just want nothing to do with it. And so they're distracted. They say, I want whatever else you've got to, like, I'm, I'm out on that. I will be your friend even maybe, but I do not want to hear about this Jesus guy. And as I was listening to this and, and studying it and, and going through different, sometimes I'll go listen to other, other pastors teach on certain topics when I get to them. And uh, one of the guys I'll listen to on a regular basis, his name is J.D. Greer. And I don't know if he got this. I don't know if he said this quote. He didn't attribute it to anyone else. I don't know if he got it from somebody else, but here's what he said. Distraction sends more people to hell than doubt ever has. He said, that when, we, when we allow other things, like all the periphery things just to get in, and we would rather chase those things, that's, that's it. Like, you, you hear it. Like, you, you even know who Jesus is. Like, many people in our culture, they know who Jesus is. They, they maybe even have opened a Bible at some point, but they look at that, and they just go, I, I just want nothing to do with that. I'm too busy. I got too much going on. If I spend too much time doing this thing, I'm not going to be able to do that thing. I got too many other things I want to chase in life. And so they're just distracted, and it never takes root. And so they never have the chance to even think about who Jesus is or what he did for them. Jesus goes on in verse 13. says, The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while... Then they fall away when they face temptation. So here's the second thing, right? Of the four soils, there's rocky soil. This we would understand is a shallow heart. And the way that I would explain this very simply is that they're emotionally charged but relationally distant. And here's what I mean by that. Um, This is one of the things that when you're in student ministry, you battle every year. Because here's what happens. And this is a great thing, right? We just talked about going to Momentum a few weeks ago. Um, if you were in youth group as a, as a student, you either, you probably went to camp at some point or you went on a retreat or you went to a conference. And what's that setting like? We take you out of school maybe. Maybe you get to miss a day of school or maybe it's just the weekend or it's summer. 
So you get taken out of your normal context. We take you to a hotel or a college campus or a camp or whatever. Your whole understanding of the week changes. You don't have to do any of your normal responsibilities. Your parents aren't there to tell you what to do or not do. You don't have the regular chores. You get to stay somewhere with all of your friends from youth group, which sounds awesome. And then we sing to Jesus. We talk about Jesus. Everything we do is focused on Jesus, which is fantastic, and we love doing it, and it's awesome. Here's the challenge. We get to maybe the end of the week when you're tired and you're emotionally drained, and it's all been about Jesus for three to five days, and we say, what are you going to do with it? And they go, I want to follow Jesus. And then what? We go home the next day, and you're back to school, or you're back to your parents, or you're back to studies, or you're back to all the other stuff you have to do, and you're like, wait a minute, this is way different than the last five days and what I just made a decision about. And so God can move in incredible ways when we go for those weeks or whatever, and we still do it and we want to do it. But the challenge is, can we get past the shallowness of simply responding and saying, I'm going to do something, and then actually allowing it to take root? Because what did the verse say? It says they receive it, they hear the message, and they even receive it with joy. We say, yeah, we want it. Like, I want Jesus. I want to worship him. I want to serve him. I want to do all those things. And the trick of it all is what we, the context we just understood it in is not the context we're going back to. And so these people, whether they're students or adults or whatever, they, they emotionally change. They get excited about it, but then they become relationally distant from God. It says it doesn't hold. The truth of God doesn't hold because they don't build deep roots. And so when we think about that, we, we kind of have to evaluate that and go, how do I, this is the challenge, right? How do I move this from just an emotional thing when it feels good to actually doing it on a regular basis and not allowing this to not dig in and, and get the deep roots? Like what Pastor Andrew read in Ephesians 3, that the roots would grow deep down and they wouldn't be able to be changed because of the depth of the knowledge and the understanding, the relationship we have with Jesus. Here's the third one. He goes on in verse 14. He says, The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. So here's the third one. It says thorny soil, right? And I would call this the divided heart. And here's how we would say it simply. They're more concerned about the world and it's worries slash opportunities. In my estimation, right, this is not what the Bible says, it's not what Jesus says, this is just Corey's estimation, okay? This is the biggest category for many people who even call themselves followers of Jesus. That we know it, we hear it, it says they hear the message, but quickly the message is crowded out by what? The cares and riches and pleasures. So we get to the point where we understand the truth we get it. We would even say we believe it, but then what happens? We get worried. If I, if I spend too much time at church or too much time doing this or too much time investing in other people, I'm not going to get to invest my time over here. If I don't do that and I don't make enough money, then I'm not going to be able to build this. Or I, I've always wanted X, right? I've always wanted to have that car or that house or that spouse or whatever. And so like, I need to pursue that and, and Jesus is always going to be there. So I'm just going to put him over here and let this, let him just be his thing over here. I love Jesus, but I'm going to pursue the other stuff. And, and he says, they get too distracted. They're more concerned about the world and its worries and its opportunities. 
and especially when it comes to pleasures. Right? I want what feels good. I want what makes me feel right. I want what makes me feel like me. Right? I, I want to chase that instead. And so you get the truth and you understand it, and then you allow it to get crowded out by other things. And I think this is where we struggle. Like, I've struggled with this for sure. Like we, we know that, like, that's the, that's the danger of, like, Jesus is always there for you and always going to love you. That is theologically true and also just dangerous if we always just treat him that way. Like, if you treated your husband or your wife like, oh, they're just always going to love me. I'm going to do what I want. That's not going to work. So what do we do with that? We still have to build the relationship. We still have to invest in it. We still have to make sure that we're engaged with it. We can't allow the distractions to get in the way. And then Jesus wraps it up and gives us the fourth section of soil. It says in verse 15, And the seeds that fell on good soil represented honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. So the fourth type, he says, is good soil. We would call that the open heart. And I would say it this way, produces more than possible on their own. Here's, here's why I say that. If we went back to the first section where Jesus first gives us the story, he says that the good soil produced a hundred times more than it started with. A regular seed on average produces eight times as much as what it starts with. So when you think about that and you go, typically it's eight, but it but Jesus says a hundred. What does that mean? It means that when God gets involved and actually is the one growing it and producing it and moving through us, that means he's going to produce more than we ever could know how to produce. So it's not just that we receive the truth and we're just like, okay, good. I'm just going to allow that to produce. No, no, no. Like God actually does something and changes it and makes it more and more amazing. Um, just, just a sidebar kind of conversation for a minute. I told you before that certain parables also get picked up other places in Scripture. This parable is also in Matthew 13. And if you go to Matthew 13, what you would see is that the way that Matthew records it is that Jesus says that some seeds are going to produce 30 times as much, some 60 times as much, and some 100 times as much. Now, just to kind of think about that for a minute. First of all, he's still saying it's far more than eight, eight times, right? So more than the typical amount is what you're going to see produced. He's just saying some people are going to do 30, some are 60, and some are 100. We know this. Certain people are just given different capacities and different giftings in different areas. So there's just, there's different. We're not all identical. But what some people would say is look at these two stories and look at the differences. And what they'll say is, see, the Bible's not true because one author says this and the other author says that. Therefore, they can't even get their story straight. They must be lying. And I want to pause there for a minute. I want to say this. First of all, it doesn't change the meaning of the story, right? What's, what's the meaning? That when the good soil comes in, we allow the truth of God to sink into our hearts and take root and multiply. It means that God's going to be able to do more through us than we could do through ourselves. So when you're talking about either 30, 60, or 100, you're saying, hey, this is bigger than me. It doesn't change the meaning of the story. Here's the other thing I want us to get. When there's an accident or there's a crime or something like that and police get involved and there are multiple witnesses, do you know the first thing they do with all the witnesses? They separate them because they want to hear the story from each of the different witnesses. And if the police start getting the same exact story with no variation from each person, you know what they do? They kind of throw out that testimony because they go, oh, they all talked 
and their testimony is now, it's kind of mixed up between all of them, and so we're not getting the whole picture. So when we see these differences, we actually look at that and we go, this is good. Because it means Matthew is getting, a, is getting a view on this, and he remembered certain details, and Luke was getting information from other people too, and they, he's getting a little different de- So we're getting the same story. We're just seeing it a little bit different. But the point of the story is to say when the good seed, or sorry, when the good soil is there and the, and the seed lands on it, it produces more than is possible on their own. That it would be multiple, 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 multiple amount of times so that when we see it, we would go, that could never be just me, or that could never be just you. And so we've got these four kinds of soil. One that doesn't even listen, it's gone by the time it gets there. One that will listen and hear the word of God and be really excited about it and emotionally respond. And then when temptation comes, they go, I'm out. Another one that says, I I like this, I want Jesus, but at the same time, I'm going to get distracted by all these other places. And so I'm really not focusing on him. I'm just going to pursue what I want. And so it doesn't really take root. And then you get the good soil. And so the question is, what soil are you? What soil am I? Now, you might say, like, depends on the day, right? Depends on my feelings. Depends on where I'm at. Depends on what's going on in life. But ultimately, what are we? Where do we fall in this? And, and this is hard. It's a hard question because nobody wants to be like, I'm the thorny soil, right? You don't want to be that. But at the same time, if we're honest with ourselves, we have to see what our motivations are. So let's just read 15 again, because Jesus actually gives us the equation on how to be good soil. So 15, let's just read it one more time. It says, the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. So he gives us three things. Here's what he says. First of all, how to be good soil. Number one is you've got to hear it. You've got to hear it. The first step is receiving it. Now, here's the interesting thing. When I would read this parable and I would hear this story over, you know what I always thought when I first read it? Is that God was the one throwing the seed. Do you notice that Jesus never said who the one throwing the seed is? It's just the word of God that comes, the truth of God. It just shows. So if it's not God, who is it? Well, I think it's anyone that would give us the word of God or give us the news of God or give us scripture or give us what. So guess what? You can do that in your own life. I can do that in my own life. So the question is, do we hear it? And one of the challenges I want to give us for today, and we'll get there by the end, but what, how are you doing that? Like, how are you hearing it? How are you making sure that it's something that is going to come to you? You're going to be able to process it. You're going to be able to think about it. It's going to be something that's on your radar on a regular basis. How are you hearing the truth of God? And is it something that you make a priority in order to make sure that it is getting to you and it's influencing you. Here's the second thing he says. He says, cling to it. It's the opposite of what happens in the thorny uh, and the rocky soil, isn't it? They don't cling to it. They hear it, they think it's great, and they chase something else. They chase temptation or they chase the distractions or they chase the fulfillment of the world. The difference is we, we cling to it. So when temptation comes, we go, no, I, I'm, I'm not going to pursue that because God has called me not to pursue that and I'm going to cling to his truth. No, when I have that opportunity to pursue that, but it's going to take me away from the things that I know are healthy for me, I'm not going to do that because I know that I need to trust Jesus more than I trust the world. We have to cling to it. And the third thing is this, that we would simply produce it. And if you missed our whole conversation on soundtracks, right, our last sermon series, 
or if we think back for those of us that were here, here's, here's the whole point, right? That we would, if we believe the truth of God, that we would then produce fruit. And in Galatians 5, Paul tells us what that fruit is. That we would allow the Holy Spirit to move through us and produce those things. Do you know what's amazing when, like again, a little sidebar. Do you know what's amazing when you study scripture? It's like it all goes like this. Because we get these conversations from Jesus going, if you believe the right thing and you have the right truth in your heart, guess what that's going to do? It's going to produce fruit. And you're going to produce the fruit of a good person who follows me. And then Paul goes, hey, by the way, these are the fruits that you're supposed to have, you're supposed to have and you're supposed to produce. And then when Jesus tells one of his first parables, he goes, this is how the word of God works. It goes and it falls in good soil, which is a good heart. And then it would produce like, it's like it was written all at the same time in the same place. And it was all for a reason, right? Like we, you get this. This is the process. And when we think about it, it's not really rocket science. Like we said, many of us grow gardens at our homes. We know how to do this. And the same thing is true in life. How are we growing these things? Like how are we allowing God's truth to influence and move through us and then produce the fruit? So here's the first thing I would say in in how we think about this is that we would create an environment where the right things grow and the wrong things die. Are our lives a place where the right things grow and the wrong things die? One of the ways that I'll process this, and I, I you know, said to you earlier, a little bit earlier, just like, what do you do to allow God's word to get into your life? And I'm just going to give you some examples, just because this is how I process it, and I don't know, maybe it'll be helpful to you. One of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to come here and I'm going to listen to me preach. <laughs> I get to listen to me preach all week when I prepare it, right? So I'm going to think about what I'm saying. So like when I preach to you, it's because I've processed God's word and I have to say, what did God teach me through it? That's what this whole process is. I don't go to scripture and go, man, these people really need to hear this. I'm going to preach that. That's not how I do it. How I do it is I process it and I go, okay, this is what the scriptures taught me. Now, how do I think that through and share it with other people? So be here. Engage with God's word. And I promise you, as long as I'm here, as long as Andrew's here and I'm here, we are going to open scripture, okay? There's not going to be a week where we show up and go, this is just what we think done. We're going to open scripture. And so come and listen. What else can you do? You can listen to podcasts. One of the things that I do is I'll listen to podcasts that are, ba- that are Christian-based podcasts that are maybe leadership-oriented or scripture-oriented, but they're just podcasts that go- come from a Christian perspective, and we process that. I'll also listen to someone else preach during the week. So there's a handful of pastors like JD or another guy named Keith that I will purposefully go and I will listen to another sermon during the week. And then I'll just listen to worship music. So there's four ways throughout my week that I'm just saying I want the word of God or I want the truth of God just to kind of blanket me. Like I want it to inundate me. I want it to come and and just sink into me. That's what I want. So are we doing that? Are we creating an environment where the right things grow and the wrong things die? And it's so easy to be the opposite, where the wrong things die, sorry, where the right things die and the wrong things grow. It reminds me of when we lived in Coatesville um, in our house, we had hedges that were at the front yard. They were the worst hedges ever. And if we let them go, they were already like, I don't know, eight feet tall. They were probably eight feet tall to start, so I'm not, so that was already a struggle. 
So we had to like trim them every once in a while and we hated it. And, and one time Becca did it and there was poison ivy all in there. So she got really bad poison ivy. So I did it from then on and I would put on long sleeves in the summer and like jeans and like I'd go in, I have to trim. What I wanted to do was ignore the whole thing. Just let it go. It just did. But then what? It would get nine feet tall. It would get huge. Like you, we have to pay attention to the stuff that we don't want to pay attention to because if we just let it go, the wrong things are going to grow. And so it, it's this idea of like through the week, what am I allowing to grow? How am I allowing it to show up in my life? And what am I producing? And the whole point of, of this parable is the motivation, think about it this way, the motivation behind what we want to produce. What did the rocky soil want to produce? They wanted to produce their own desire to sin because they allowed temptation to come and take it away. What did the thorny soil want to produce? It wanted to produce whatever the world decided it wanted to produce because they were too focused on that. What does the good soil decide it wants to produce? It wants to produce what God has for them. And so ultimately what we have to understand is the only harvest that matters is the one collected by Jesus. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the things, again, this is, this is my opinion. I, it's not in scripture. I think it's going to be true though. I think when we get to heaven, we will recognize each other and there will be moments where we look at the person or the people that led us to Jesus and we just look at them and we just say thank you. Because they were the ones who allowed the seed of, the, of God's word to sink into them, and then they shared it with us. And because of their desire to share it with us, then we got there. And there would be someone, if we lead them to Jesus, that they would look at us and they would say, thank you, because we decided to share what the truth was with them. And so we're going to have this harvest where we look around and we go, God used us in each other's lives because we took what he taught us and we took the truth and we said, we want to produce that rather than chase something else. So the only harvest that matters is not going to be, because here's what we're not going to do in heaven. We're not going to sit around and go, man, I remember that really cool car I had. I remember that house. Right? We're not going to care anymore. I remember that time I didn't listen to God. That went well. It's not going to be the thing that matters. What's going to matter is what we allow Jesus to harvest in our lives. And here's, here's one other thing I would say. For the follower of Jesus, our spiritual growth should be the number one, the number one seed we water doesn't mean we don't water other things. doesn't mean we don't lean into our career. doesn't mean we don't invest in a hobby. It doesn't mean we don't do those things, but our spiritual growth should be the number one seed that gets attention from us. Because if it's the last thing, it's not going to grow. We have to pay attention to it and water it. And this is true, too. It's, it's not too late to be good soil. You know, the, one of the hard things about this, and I know that um, as parents sit in this room, especially parents of adults, you kind of think through this. And you think, how do I get my kid to be good soil? Because if you're processing this, even as having young kids, like I, I'm thinking about this as I'm thinking about it and processing what's God telling me. Like, how am I encouraging them in this? And I just want to pause for a second and go, as someone who was in student ministry for a long time, unfortunately, sometimes the kids that I would have said, they'll be good soil forever, they're not. And sometimes the kids that show up and you're like, they'll never be good soil. They are. And so you just don't know. You, you, you don't know what God's going to do. You don't know what they're going to choose. You don't know what's going on. 
but I follow different people still on Instagram and stuff. I'm like, what happened? And if I did that and I look at my ratio, right, I would go, how many of the kids that I was involved with in youth ministry are still following Jesus? I don't know that I want to know that percentage just because it may be a little bit rough. But what did Jesus say at the start? If we look at these four different soils, what's the percentage of the people that actually allow it to take root? 25%. I'm a pastor and I can do that math, right? 25%. It's rough. Like, it's hard to follow Jesus. And it's not easy to continually create in our lives an environment where the right things grow and the wrong things die. But that's what we're called to do. And even though the, on the footpath, like Jesus mentioned, Satan takes it away, like the, the decision is on the soil on what to do with this. Who decides whether we get distracted or not? We do. Who decides if we give in to temptation or not? We do. It's the decision of the soil how we're going to respond to God's word. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? So here's the application question, okay? And then I'll pray and we'll wrap up. What is one weekly habit I can add to water my spiritual growth? Um, Becca and I and Andrew and Amanda got to connect this week uh, at an event called the Global Leadership Summit. And one of the speakers is one of my, I read his book, I think he's great. And one of his things is, he says, just get 1% better every day. 1% better. And when you think about it, you go 1% per day. Like, how much is that really going to matter at the end of the day? You're like, today, nothing. Maybe. You won't even notice a difference. But if you get 1% better every day, what does that turn into over the course of a year or five years or 10 years? So sometimes we look at Scripture and we go, I don't know how to do exactly that. But the question is, how do I just get 1% better? How do I just do one more thing right? So what's one weekly habit I can add to water my spiritual growth? And how do I continue to make progress in that area so that I'm allowing God's word to get to me more and more often and I try and allow my heart to be good soil receiving what God has for me and that it will produce way more than I ever could. And if you're sitting here like, I don't know what to do or Pastor Corey mentioned some things, I don't even know where to start with that. Here's what I want you to do. Get, get your next steps card and, and write down a question like, or do it online, right? You can go to the follow along and ask a question. Just ask me. What are some good podcasts? What are some good books? What are some good playlists on Spotify? What are some good pastors to listen to other than you? Like, I'll give you the answers. Please do. Like, I will feed you as much as I can, like different options to say, I'm going to add input into my life that's going to allow the right things to grow and the wrong things to die. But this is the point of being good soil. And if we're good soil, we say to Jesus, I'm going to listen. I'm going to be there. I'm going to process. I'm going to want to produce what you have for me instead of saying, I'm going to allow other things to get in the way. So what are we going to do? Are we going to be a place? Are we going to have life? Are we going to build our week so that the right things grow and the wrong things die? Would you pray with me? Jesus, I'm excited to uh, step into these parables and look at the stories that you told and I'm excited to think about them in the sense of these are the things that Luke wanted us to know. These are the things that Matthew wanted us to know. These are the stories that they said these were so important. We have to help people understand this. And God, as we look at this idea of the four soils, it's, it's easy for us to fall into those other categories. 
Or even some days we just go, I, I, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to know what Jesus would think. I don't want to process that. Or I just want to chase this opportunity. Or I just want to build this wealth. Or I just want to whatever. And we get so distracted. But God, I ask that you would help us to be good soil. That we would continually over and over again just create a space in our lives where the right things grow and the wrong things die. And that's not easy to do. It's not easy to decide. It's not easy to always chase. But I pray that you would give us what we're supposed to do. What's that one thing we can do that will cause our spiritual maturity to grow? And I pray that you would use that to produce the fruit that you want to see in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.